Hello and welcome back to the Frogs of War podcast. I'm your host, Anthony North. With me, as always, Russell Hodges. And we're just going to jump right into it. It was, a, it was a party in the Carter this weekend. TCU football defeats Oklahoma 55-24. to uh, The previously ranked number 18 Oklahoma, the longtime giant of the Big 12, um, picks up its second loss of the season. Um, and TCU moves to one and zero in conference play. Russ, how are you feeling? I'm excited after that game, man. I mean, I I thought at the very beginning the way TCU came out for the second week in a row, coming out so fast, so strong offensively, and then you know Dylan Gabriel. I hope he's okay. You know, you hate to see a, a player go out on a on a hit like that. And then I know Oklahoma lost another guy to a pretty scary. Uh, injury late in the game you know hope hopefully they're both okay they can come back but um, you know Dylan Gabriel seemed like he was kind of off early on missing some throws and the offense just didn't miss a beat I mean we ran the ball so well the offensive line was phenomenal I know we'll talk about the offensive line a little bit later but um, really from start to finish putting aside a couple of uh, shall I say I guess brain dead calls by the officials um it, I don't think TCU could have played a, a more clean football game from, from start to finish. Um, offensively, running the ball so well. Max Duggan had a great game. Again, just continuing to build off of a really strong start to the season. And now we got 4-0 TCU and 5-0 Kansas, a battle of top 20 ranked teams, college game day going out to Lawrence. I, I wish I could find a way out there, but hopefully we can get some purple in the stands. Yeah, pretty pretty wild to see uh to see Kansas atop the Big Twelve standings after this week and uh and TCU right there behind them. Definitely not what everybody was predicting uh headed into the season. Um but yeah, I mean you you hit on just started on fire i mean right from right from the jump of it 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 couldn't have gone maybe more perfect for the frogs the opening drive for for oklahoma like the third or fourth play is as a fumble on marvin mims that abe kamara who had a great game was uh uh, laying the boomstick out there and just uh, locking down those uh oklahoma receivers but forces the fumble right there early first drive and D Winters gets the recovery leads to that Sevion Williams touchdown uh, Max Duggan dropping it in the bucket where he kind of throws it sky high watching watching the replay on it it just looks like it's way up there in the air just just hanging yeah. That's, um, that's backyard football. I got a guy who's six <laughs> five. You got a DB. He's too big. He's too big. Too strong. Yeah. Too talented. Uh, nothing you could do about it. So, uh, right there on that front pylon, and and Savion makes the play. And and we talked about it after the SMU game of how it's exciting to see him getting involved in this offense, and and he's emerged as such a weapon that you know. It, Oh, you you think you can kind of double up QJ on one side, and and that shuts down that fade opportunity? No, we've we've got another giant out wide on the other side as well. Um, let's see the running game. I I guess 
the next two touchdowns, I'm trying to, I, I lose track of the order of things here. There were so many scores, um, but a, a lot of coverage breakdown from Oklahoma defense. And some of that you have to chalk up to maybe they were not as prepared or ready to come out and play as they should have been. But certainly some of it you have to give to the the TCU coaching staff to scheme guys open in those plays. Um, but the, the Tay Barber touchdown where um, basically he just sprints straight at the safety. Uh, safety decides he's not going to cover Tay Barber. He's going to try to cover the back out of the backfield. And Tay Barber just runs wide open and Max gives it to him. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if you're saying that's like some all-star throw because you're anybody could have made that throw. I think he was so wide open. Um, but I, I guess, do you, what do you think? Do you think um, this was a TCU's offensive coaching staff kind of out schemed Oklahoma here? Or was it a, was it, the players on the field just were not were not ready to go. You know, I think it could be a mixture of both. Um, you know, Gunnar Henderson broke wide open for a touchdown as well, and uh, it definitely looked like on some of those plays showing the replay there were some uh, blown coverages, you know, guys thinking they're playing zone when they should be playing man or, or vice versa. But um, I think TCU deserves a lot of credit as well because they ran the football very well, and – the way they're utilizing these skill players, and it's a big reason why Max Duggan has been able to get off to such a great start this year, is they're finding opportunities to get these speed guys like Darius Davis and Tay Barber, and even Jordan Hudson is getting a couple catches here and there. They're getting the ball quickly out in space where they have a receiver who can go out and block and they're able to get yards after catch. So when you can throw the ball, when you can throw a screen on first down and get seven yards, or you can run the ball on first down and get eight yards, it makes life way easier for everybody on the offensive side of the ball. And then when you have one-on-one matchups with a six-foot-four Quentin Johnston who drew two PI flags, and then Savion Williams who's six-five catching a uh, a jump ball in the end zone, the way that TCU is using its speed and its size in different ways is creating a lot of problems for opposing defenses. And it, it was a little surprising to see a, a Brent Venables coached team uh, have that many missed assignments on the defensive end, but you, you got to give TCU credit for taking advantage of those opportunities. You know, there, there weren't many overthrows on those plays, you know, when the home run balls were there, TCU hit them. And that's what you got to do against any ranked team it doesn't matter if you're at home or on the road Oklahoma's been a very good team in the Big 12 for a long time as, as we well know so um just taking advantage of the opposing team's mistakes and you brought up the turnover the the forced fumble by by uh Abe Kamara who's really had a an impressive start to the year wasn't even uh going to be a starter I believe it was going to be Bud Clark and then he gets hurt Kamara comes in and he's had multiple passes defensed, uh, interception, and, and now a, a forced fumble there. So, um, you know, a combination of both, just going back to the, to the original question. But I think, again, at the end of the day, you got to give TCU credit for, for coming out ready to go and being able to, to take advantage of those mistakes. Yeah, I think these plays, uh, the, the TCU offense was just putting that Oklahoma defense into nightmare scenarios 
like I said on the Tay Barber one, where, yeah, the guy just, he goes to cover the back and leaves Barber running wide open. Um, and because, and yeah, all props to this offensive line, just in, incredible work in this game, um, in the run game and keeping Max clean as well. But in the, in like the zone read plays where handing it off to, to Kendra Miller and he can, by putting those linebackers basically on their heels, he bursts through the line, gets, gets to the next level of a safety or, or a corner who just, there's no way to make that play from from those guys. I mean, he's he is either going to to put a move on you and get get past you, or he's going to run through you. Um, just an impossible situation for those defenders. And then when Max keeps it, uh, the, his touchdown run is just a whoever that the linebacker poor guy on the edge there was just <laughs> getting cooked all day. Yeah. on the on the zone read like he was like he was JJ Watt in the Rose Bowl um and it was Andy Dalton out there that's it was he was crashing down and Max was making the right choice every time and whether that's he's just running the play that's called or he's he's thinking through that progression and making it happen um I tend to think that's that's his read there because they did run it out of that look and he pulled it and and would take off out of that look um and then he just he he gets on his jets and and heads to the end zone that uh that touchdown was was super exciting and i mean let's talk about max duggan for a second on i think it's somewhat clear he's taken this job and it's this is this is his team at this point um you know, I think Chandler Morris is still listed as third on the depth chart, so maybe he's still being listed as injured. Um, but in any case, Max has has performed at an incredible level to come into the season as, you know, not the starting quarterback, the incumbent, but not the starter, um, and to to come in and perform like this, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing of if he keeps at this pace through the season, he's going to be. I don't know Heisman discussions, all conference discussions. It's it's kind of wild to think of, but I mean, in a performance like this where he has five touchdowns, you know, over three hundred yards rushing, one hundred thirty plus yards or three hundred yards passing, over one hundred thirty yards rushing. Um, I don't know. You you couldn't want anything more out of a, a college quarterback. Yeah, I I mean he's earned it. You know he he's earned the the opportunity to be the starter and he's he's made the most of his second chance I mean coming into the season I'll be the first to admit I thought Chandler Morris was going to win the job at I hoped he was going to win the starting job just based off of what I saw from both players last year and I, I felt coming in you know Max was the 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 best backup to have in, in this situation with a new coach and a new scheme and new uh, staff coming in, but there's a lot of football still to play. So I, I hope people don't get uh, too far ahead of themselves. I know, but I know. When, when you when you total, I think 13 touchdowns without a, an interception. I don't think he's turned the ball over at all. Um, no turnovers. Yeah, he's he's been efficient. 
He's making the right decisions. He's using his arm and his legs, which we know he can do. And, I mean, there's a reason Sonny Dykes has talked glowingly about his leadership and what he's brought to the team. And there there are probably, I believe Steven Johnson of the Star-Telegram tweeted out, there are probably some uh, Power 5 teams that wish he would have left because he, he, yeah. he could have he definitely earned a, an opportunity. Yeah, including to, uh, everyone in the else. Big 12 probably are, is wishing that he had left just yeah. to be somewhere else. Yeah, but it's, he, he deserves <laughs> all the credit. I mean, Max Duggan is making me eat crow. I will admit it. I am on the Max Duggan bandwagon now, and unless he gets hurt or something catastrophic happens, this is his team, and I'm really excited to see if he can continue – to keep this going on the road against Kansas. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't get any easier going forward. Um, the Big 12 is going to continue to be a gauntlet. Um, just, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the defensive side in this Oklahoma game because they were also stellar, shutting down a, a very prominent Oklahoma offense. Um, and yes, Dylan Gabriel did take that injury on the pretty clear targeting penalty and, and actually think uh, reading people online were relatively level-headed about this, that uh, Oklahoma fans and TCU fans alike of it's the kind of thing that happens in football of it's a, it's a bang, bang play. You don't really have time to change your direction um, and and Jamoy Hodge was already kind of lunging into that tackle, and and there's not too much you could have done about it. That said, it was very very much an unfortunate thing to happen for Gabriel, and quite clearly a penalty for for him to uh, you know be disqualified for that game. Um, luckily for TCU, it happened in the first half, so that he doesn't miss any of this Kansas game. Um, but even at that point, TCU was already romping and Gabriel was not exactly performing in any way that made it appear like Oklahoma was, was on the comeback trail. Um, I think he had like seven completions for like 120 mm-hmm. yards, something like that. So, uh, outside of that, um, Johnny Hodges wrecking ball, 10 tackles, half sack, um, was just was just everywhere, and really another standout day from D. Winters. Two sacks, the fumble recovery we talked about, eight tackles. Um, he's, <laughs> I don't know, he's he's a clear all conference guy at this point. He's just kind of the rock on this defense at this point, um, and and the secondary as well. This is. We talked about it in the preview of like Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss. These guys are five star, high level talents that just basically got nothing going against TCU uh, this weekend. So um, kudos to everyone. Just an excellent performance. The the Joe Gillespie defense continues to to do wonders. The the newcomers uh, Perry Kamara, Josh Newton. It's just great stuff. Um, on the defensive end, Russ, what anything particular stand out from your side? 
Um, you know, we talked about D Winters and, and obviously with Max uh, getting some of the national recognition now for the way he's played. I hope people start talking about D Winters a little more. Um, I don't think he gets talked about enough, but he's been such a dynamic player in this defense, especially now that we we alluded to it last week. Um, the way that our linebackers are being used more frequently in pass rush and uh, being able to get after the quarterback in addition to stopping the run and making tackles in space, these linebackers have so many different responsibilities. And I think what what impressed me the most about TCU's defense in this game is we talked about Dylan Gabriel's ability to make plays with his legs. And even though he wasn't throwing the ball well, TCU made him have to make throws because anytime he got out of the pocket, there was always a linebacker there lurking. You know, they, they mm-hmm. had, I think they had a spy on him most of the game. If he had any opportunity to get outside of the pocket, he probably ran out of bounds for no gain. You know, there was always someone there. And by doing that, they forced him to have to make throws. And he couldn't do that. I know Marvin Mims was open on a few plays, and he they just couldn't connect. And they had to punt multiple times because of it. And the way TCU was rolling offensively, there was even after Gabriel got hurt, like you said, there, it was past the point of no return. You know, even with Davis Bevel coming in there, I don't think Oklahoma. If Gabriel was in for the rest of the game, I don't think they even come back because of the way things were were trending. So I think that the linebackers led by D. Winters deserve a tremendous amount of credit for the, for the way they played in that game, and I hope D. Winters specifically starts to get talked about as not only one of the best linebackers in the Big 12, but I, I think one of the best linebackers in all college football. No no doubt. Um, which uh, no call or bad call was was more egregious for you? <laughs> the the uh, pass interference where I think it was uh, Torquavius Spivey yeah, is basically tackled and targeted uh, before the ball gets there or or the the fair catch, no fair catch where Darius Davis was pretty clearly going to house that uh, punt from about the 10 yard line and and. And in all replays, there's nothing that could even be construed as a uh, as a fair catch call, but the referees stopped it anyway. Which one of, the, of the, those? The, the where, where did the refs go most wrong? The, the fair catch to me was was horrendous. I mean, I, I don't know what they could have seen on that play. I'm not sure if, like, maybe someone was waving a towel in the background <laughs> and maybe the official saw something, but... I mean, at least on the Spivey play, I mean, the Spivey play was bad too, but at least it was somewhat, some had some semblance of a bang-bang play, even though I, I hated the fact that the OU defender was celebrating like he did something. Yeah, right. Like, you, you got away with egregious P.I. there, but no, the the fair catch, I mean, that, they, they had RG3 and uh, Davis uh, popping off in the broadcast booth about that, and, and, and you know... You you know you're down bad as an official when the broadcasters are starting to get after you because they're trained to be unbiased. So, right. Um, that that to me was was that's I I had to stand up off of my couch when that happened. I don't, I don't know what, what you were doing. 
Yeah, no, I was I was in the press box and and you know you can't you can't be loud or say anything. It was the what is that? You know, it's uh, uh <laughs> that was that was a bad one. I guess I, I guess speaking of that, you know, with RG three doing the game, I, I didn't I didn't hear any of his commentary. Was was he? I, I know there's been a lot of like, hey, maybe he's the like Bill Walton. He says a bunch of silly things in uh-huh. his broadcast. I was I guess I. Given that feedback, I was surprised he got this, you know, big time ABC game. Uh, but even so, was he? And of course, his history with TCU. There's, there's maybe some. At least fans have some animosity towards RG three and and things he said about TCU. But I don't know how was he as a broadcaster. I haven't watched a game with him yet. Yeah, you know what? I thought he actually did a really nice job. Um, I thought his humor was. I, I enjoyed it personally. Um, I thought what I enjoyed most, though, was he talked quite a bit about uh, Dylan Gabriel's throwing mechanics and why he was missing on a lot of throws. Because if you watched, he was missing a lot of his throws high. He wasn't under-throwing. He was missing a lot of throws high, and they would go back and review film during the broadcast that RG3 is trying to point out because Gabriel, his base with his feet is too far apart. He's mm. not really throwing the football with a, a, a sturdy base underneath him. And as a result, his throws are going long over the head of his receivers. And then on the play where he uh, throws the touchdown pass to, I think, Braden Willis, or gets it down to the one-yard line, uh, they overturned it. On that throw, uh, his feet were much more uh, – they were much closer together. And he was much more balanced in the throw, and they showed it on the broadcast. And I thought that was interesting to because he's, of course, a former great college quarterback. You like to see that insight from those color commentators. You know, not just you, you like to hear the humor too, and and you like to see them. They get into the game, but you like to see that analytical side as well. So I, I thought he was uh, enjoyable for sure. I would definitely tune in to to listen to him again. Yeah, that's good. You always like to kind of learn something when you're watching a game. I think that's the old like John Madden bit about he he wants to be entertaining but also educational, and so that's eh, you know good good for RG three that he's he's taking that on and and becoming what yeah taking on these these big time uh, main ABC games. Um, anything else to close out for yeah and again i i read all those duggan stats he didn't play the fourth quarter that's Correct. that's five tu- that's five touchdowns and you know 440 yards in three quarters of play against oklahoma um i don't i don't we we have to take a i, I have to take another breath of like that is crazy that that's what max duggan did um TCU hasn't beaten Oklahoma since that 2014 game. Um, this is only the the second time since joining the Big 12. Um, only the third win in since I don't know forever that 2005 game. Um, so a, a huge step for for TCU as a program and Sonny Dykes and all of this coaching staff and. Yeah, got to keep that momentum rolling into uh, with the big spotlight game in Lawrence this this coming Saturday. Anything else to close out uh, the TCU performance from this past weekend? No, I, I think they they played about as 
flawless of a football game as you could play. And uh, they just got to continue to do what they've done over these last couple of games. And we've talked about it on the podcast as well about starting fast. I mean, you think about the first uh, SMU, Oklahoma, Tarleton State, the first drive of each of those games has been very quick, getting the ball out of Max's hands fast, running the ball well. They've been very efficient offensively, but they've also started out very fast over these last couple games. So I think that's a theme that hopefully we'll continue to see against Kansas and then as as the season moves forward. All right, elsewhere in the Big 12 uh, in Week 5, Kansas State moved to 2-0 and uh, to stay atop the, the Big 12 standings, defeating Texas Tech 37-28. to um, Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship rematch took down Baylor 36-25. to Texas defeated West Virginia 38-20, to and Kansas in kind of the most boring thriller that you can have defeated Iowa state 14 to 11. Um, where do you, where do you want to go with the big 12 stuff? What do you think? Do you have an opinion here? Uh, you know, I, I know we made our predictions last week. I was pulling for West Virginia at the end because that would have had me at five and zero for the, <laughs> for the, for the weekend. But, uh, West Virginia struggled in that game. I know, I think C.J. Donaldson got banged up there at the end. Um, Kansas-Iowa State, a rock fight in, in Ames. You feel bad for that kicker. I think he finished one uh, for four. One and, for four. That's, and, and that's rough. Kick, and his last kick wasn't even close either, and you you hate to see that. Um, Kansas State, Adrian Martinez, another really good performance after he he ran wild against Oklahoma last week. And the Cowboys, I thought, uh, coming off a bye, being able to go to Waco and, and get a win against a ranked Baylor team was, was really impressive and um, in, interested to see how, how their season goes. Spencer Sanders has a lot of experience. They, they have some pretty good skill talent as well. So, um, yeah. Really, really solid weekend in, in the Big 12. A lot of competitive games. And uh, te- the way Texas is defending – if they can get Quinn Ewers back healthy, I think they could make a serious run over the over the second half of the of the season. I'm not sure what his timeline is, but uh, they really they looked really good against the Mountaineers. Yeah, there's already another Texas is back again. Just like okay, you know they they beat West Virginia, and I, I think a lot of people will talk about next week. But people are already chalking up a victory for the Longhorns in in Red River um, if Gabriel's out. I, I think. Should probably tap the brakes on that one, but uh, yeah, I, I, Texas is is in line to still be competitive in the Big Twelve. Um, I think Oklahoma State probably has to be the favorite with already having this win over Baylor, um, and looking pretty good doing it. I think really. They had a couple of big plays in this one that that kind of blew it up that that gave them this win where it was it was pretty tight throughout. I think that's that's the theme of the conference is all these games are going to well in, unless maybe unless you're playing Oklahoma as it turns out, but <laughs> all these games are going to be close and and have pretty well uh, 
position teams to to take on each other and and we'll we'll, we'll talk about Kansas a bunch more coming up but I I was mm, I think Kansas and Iowa State were both terrible in this game. Um, I don't know if it was they were doing it to each other or if they were doing it to themselves. Um, but I think I think there was some really good defensive football. And I think there was just some really maybe bad decision-making, bad coaching decisions. Um, the uh, Yeah, even putting that poor kicker in that position to have to take that last second, to the field goal at the end, when you you had an opportunity. I think they had like fourth and inches with like a minute left. And instead of trying to go for it and then go win the game, they put it on this kicker who's already one for three and is obviously shook. Um, I think that's a, I think that's as much on Matt Campbell as it is on that kicker for missing that one. I think that's on, I, I don't know that you can go for it there. I mean, it was, it probably should have been a gimme kick. It was probably, it was like a 28 yarder or something. But I don't know. That's that's, that's college, it's tough. college football, man. Those college kickers sometimes. College kick. You can't like rely the, on them. The life is like a box of chocolates. Cliche. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get sometimes with these with these college kickers. But I, I agree with your point about um, you're not seeing a lot of blowouts in in the Big Twelve. You're seeing a lot of uh, very evenly contested games, and I, I just think you have a lot of you have a lot of teams that play uh, different brands of football and have different levels of skill, talent, and different levels of experience on the defensive side. So um, it's, I mean, at the start of the season, we think maybe Kansas State's going to be in the cellar, and now they're they're rallying off consecutive really solid performances, and uh, West Virginia gets a couple of big bounce back wins, and come back down to earth against Texas. So it's, it's been a, a little bit of a seesaw and we have a long way to go. So um just excited to see how it continues to unravel as we move forward. Yeah. Just every game is going to be potential heart attacks and heartbreak. Um, it's, it's definitely on the table. All right. So nationally in week five um, story was 10 top 25 teams lost on the weekend and was two more Power Five jobs opened? Wisconsin firing Paul Christ and Colorado letting go Carl Durrell. Um, just, just interesting there. I think um, most notable game on the weekend, probably <laughs> watching football because I, you know, this game kind of went later. The Georgia Missouri game, Missouri was leading much of this game and had him on the ropes. Uh, I thought well, it was I thought right they were there. Do it. I was pulling hard for him, man. I I thought they had a they had a great opportunity uh going into the fourth quarter keep keeping it a close game going into the fourth quarter but just couldn't couldn't close it out. They they re- they remembered that they were Missouri And and that the other team is the best team in the country. Yeah. Um the the Ole Miss Ole Miss takes down Kentucky twenty two to nineteen. Um, they they keep it rolling. You know, I think one thing that we we will probably start potentially looking forward if TCU were to win this week 
is starting to look at the national picture as it relates to the frogs um and you know positioning in the the polls and obviously that's way far off to start looking at playoff committee stuff but it's it's just an it's an it's fun to be in that mix of these national teams uh you know the big national relevance right now TCU obviously is in that mix college game day going to the to the frogs this weekend um i don't know that i don't know that we can really say that yet but uh you know it's it's fun to see texas a&m lose um <laughs> and that, i don't know i think i think their fans are freaking out a little bit about the jimbo fisher thing and it's uh i don't know how much they can really expect to just buy their team to to a talent level that hopefully wins a national championship. I guess it just doesn't work that way, even though you might you might think it does. Um, I don't know what else on the national scene from last week that that caught your eye. I was watching a little bit of Alabama Arkansas. Um, you know, Bryce. As soon as Bryce Young went out of that game, it was like they couldn't keep the cameras off of him. And I yeah. get it. You know, Heisman Trophy winner and. It, it actually it looked pretty bad initially. He he couldn't. You could just see his shoulder was kind of hanging. You know, arm was hanging, and threw his helmet down on the sideline, frustrated, and went back to the locker room. I think it's just an AC joint sprain, so could have been a lot worse. I mean, if he dislocated his his shoulder or uh, tore his labrum or something like that, it could have been a lot worse. But sounds like he avoided something serious there, and. Uh, Arkansas, they really struggled to move the ball. Uh, KJ Jefferson wasn't super impressive, and you could see the the lack of playmakers at, at wide receiver. You lose Traylon Burks to the NFL. Uh, Traylon Smith, one of their better line, uh, running backs last year, transfers. So uh, in a game like this where you got to be able to to move the ball, they didn't do that very well. Um, Ole Miss, not a lot of Zach Evans, I believe, in, in that game. I don't yeah, think he did yeah, too much, but no. uh, a good win for, for them against Kentucky. Wake Forest bouncing back from a, a shootout against Clemson. They, they get a win against Florida State. I believe Florida State actually scored first in, in that game, so uh, a good win for them. And then, yeah, Georgia-Missouri. Could have been, been a special day, a special moment for – for some of us looking for the, <laughs> see the number one team go down, but um, you know, just real quick, going back to your point about uh, looking at the national landscape of things, if TCU were to win this game and, you know, you talk about resumes with uh, putting out the college football playoff polls and uh, you'd have to say TCU's resume. Yeah. SMU. Yeah. Tarleton state, but, That'd be consecutive wins over top 20 teams. And uh, with with Oklahoma State lurking after that, a team that could be top 10, maybe top 8 or top 6, you know, it's... Yeah. We we don't want to look too far ahead, but it's potentially setting up to pan out very well if, if the Frogs can continue to play the way that they have been playing to start the season. Well, yeah, it's it's a brutal stretch here. So you come off of Oklahoma, and then it's 
Kansas and you think, oh, well, preseason, you look at the schedule and you're like, all right, well, here you get a break between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State with Kansas. Turns out, no, that's going to be one of your harder games on the schedule and you're going to have the national spotlight on you. Um, And then, yeah, so after Kansas is Oklahoma State, which will in all likelihood be, yeah, in the top 10 unless they drop, uh, who do they have this week? Texas Tech, they're 10-point favorites or so. So mm, they'll probably still be in the top 10. Uh, that's going to be a very difficult game. And then then you follow it up with Kansas State, um, who at that point may be top 15-ish or so. So it's it's uh, this is an incredible uh, test for, for TCU these four weeks. And coming out of that, Things could get really special if you go through that gauntlet unbeaten. Um, obviously, Frogs only threw the first of it with Oklahoma, but you can you can see it playing out that way. And, and I don't know. I, I'm trying to temper my excitement, but it's it's fun to to think about these games really matter um, in in the national scale and in you know do it and be legends um, opportunity here for, for this TCU team. Yeah. And you know, with, with no bye weeks coming up for the remainder of the season either. So this is going to be back to back to back to back to back. And, you know, it was nice to see Marcel Brooks out there against Oklahoma. Uh, Bud Clark seems like he's back into the swing of things and Chandler Morris is getting healthy and he's available. So um, frogs are staying healthy so far. And we hope that that just continues to, to to trend in the right direction. We don't suffer any setbacks there. Just going through a, a stretch of what's going to be nine consecutive games, ten consecutive games. A lot of football is going to be played over this next over these next two months. So, yeah, there's there's no chance for the team though to really relax or like. Um you know, ease off the throttle that it's going to be, it's going to be full steam ahead all the way through to the end of the season. So, um, I think there's probably some benefit to that of like, you're, you're in this mindset and, and you're not going to get out of it until, until it's done. Um, all right, let's jump into Kansas Jayhawks, um, TCU traveling to Lawrence, Kansas this weekend, 11 a.m. on FS1. Um, starting at 8 a.m., College Game Day will be on site there in Lawrence. Um, the, the ESPN pregame show that that is, you know, it's it's pretty prestigious to, to get that opportunity. And uh, TCU in its eighth um, edition being featured on College Game Day. And it's the first time they've ever been to Lawrence, so uh, I'm sure the Kansas fans will will certainly be out there. I think it is a it's a kind of weird situation where that show ends at 11, and immediately after is the kickoff of the game. Um, so I don't know how that'll affect like people getting into the stadium. I don't I don't know. I that's just a kind of a weird situation, but. Uh, Really looking forward to this game. This is going to be an exciting game. All of the national eyes will be on this game. 
um, even though there's a game down here in, in in the Cotton Bowl that's happening at the same time that doesn't have any any importance to anyone now. Um, so, so I guess, how, how are you feeling? What, what do we feel at all this game? How do we want to get into it? You know, I think one of our topics coming up is was last week just a clunker for Kansas. And, and for some reason, a lot of games and aims just wind up being rock fights and kind of alluded to it on the podcast last week. Uh, I believe I had picked Kansas in a, in a close game. And um, I think collectively, though, this is an offense that can run the ball really well. You have multiple guys that are capable of rushing for over 100 yards in a game. You have a much more developed uh, cast of skill talent at wide receiver led by Luke Grimm. And you have a quarterback in, in Jalen Daniels who has really developed quite nicely as a dual threat over these last couple of years. And it's, it's going to be a sellout crowd. There's going to be a lot of blue and blue and red in, in the stands doing the rock chalk Jayhawks. So it's, it's going to be a, and, and TCU has a history, I think, of, of not playing very well in Lawrence. I think you look at some of these uh, past matchups. I want to say it was either 2014 or 2015 when TCU went to Lawrence and almost blew it against a pretty mediocre Jayhawk team. Yeah, I think both of those years, 14 and 15, were like crazy closer than they needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so 2014 was the game in Lawrence. TCU won 34 to 30. Yeah, that was that was the one that was way closer than it needed to be. And then I want to say they 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 might have lost to Kansas and it was that was yeah. <laughs> was that Mike Collins infamous was quarterback? Yeah, infamous game there. TCU driving down to win the game in field goal position. Um. I don't know if it was Darius Anderson, whoever the running back was, ran it. It was it was a classic butt fumble. Ran into the offensive lineman, and Kansas recovered a fumble. Where TCU lost by one point, and if they just kind of kneel on it and kick the field goal, the game's over, um, and and frogs win. So that yeah, uh, you know, TCU didn't get. Uh, memed into oblivion for that probably like um either mark sanchez for his butt fumble or texas every time they lose to kansas but it was it was a pretty embarrassing way to lose a football game <laughs> that let's see what year was that i think that was 2018 yeah 18 yeah, 20, 2018 that was the uh 20 I, I was a student from 2012 to 2016 i felt like i was very it was it was a great time to be a student if you were a football fan, and I think about the kids who got on campus after me as a fresh. If you were a freshman in 2016 to 2020, boy, you were in for a for a world of hurt. That, that well, was, you that had was 17 was a pretty years. good year. 17, 17 was 17 a good was a good year. Yeah, 17 was uh, was a good year, but. Uh, I feel like we're talking like it's of, wine, like it's uh, 17 was a good year. That was a good vintage of Horn Frog. S- yes. Sandwiched between quite a bit of mediocrity. Yes, yeah, yeah. But anyway, you know, getting back to, to Kansas, I think <laughs> Iowa State plays good defense. They play real physical. Um, they're going to they're gonna pack the line of scrimmage. And it, it's going to be the, the biggest test, I think, of the season for TCU's 
run defense. I think the Frogs have stopped the run pretty well. Um, but again, you have experience and a variety of skill talents back there that are capable of breaking off a big run at any moment. So uh, the Frogs got to be physical as usual. I think TCU has been extremely physical over these last couple of weeks, really setting the tone early in the game. And I think that's a, that's going to be a, a key for, for TCU coming out in this game. If, if they get the ball to start, start fast the way they have these last couple of weeks and, and defensively, if you're out there first, set the tone, be physical, and it's going to be a good football game. Yeah, you mentioned the run game, and it's it's a Lance Leipold staple. I mean, from from his days, at least back from when I've been paying attention to him from from Buffalo, those teams were incredible rushing teams, um, and they made a point of it even in the uh in the offseason transfer portal brought in two pretty high level guys that haven't really needed to be contributors yet but but may going forward so Kai Thomas from Minnesota and Sevian Morrison from Nebraska um are now on this roster and behind uh the the clear lead guy is Devin Neal but and and he's he's a stud but their number two guy, Daniel Hinshaw, has gone down with injury. I believe is confirmed to not be playing at least this week. Um, so that's I think that's a a big hit to them, but not maybe not as big as as it could have been because they do have they have talent behind Neil and obviously Jalen Daniels can do his thing as well. Um, so you're you're totally right. It, it'll be a big test for the TCU defense on slowing down that run game and and kind of forcing passing situations um, and, and third and long, second and long that that Daniels really has to has to let it rip through the air. That yeah, I mean his his stats from last week were were just terrible, and and it might be Iowa State is is a really good defense and the game flow wasn't really working but um i had it pulled up but he was uh he was he was not very good i mean he he didn't even have 100 yards passing he had nine yards rushing a lot of that may have been some sacks that took his his numbers down but uh we've seen it the rest of the season so that's why that's why i do kind of tend to think that this iowa state game was more of a one-off um than what we would will expect Kansas to look like against TCU. I think Kansas will be able to find ways to to get the offense working, um, and it'll just be can, can you stop them at the right times? Can you make the right plays? Um, what else? Yeah. So, I my my big key to the game here is on the offensive side, um, and it's going to be how TCU's offensive line holds up against. The, the Kansas defense, it was watching this last week's game. Um, Iowa state, not just the, in their special teams, but they had lots of opportunities to score um, where they ended up putting themselves in bad spots because of sacks or lost yardage. Um, that it was just pure, Kansas was too good up front or had a had a scheme that could get to Deckers and now I I think we 
would expect Max Duggan to be able to to maneuver through that maybe better than than Hunter Deckers from Iowa State. Um, but that said, it, it was a huge difference in the game. Um, they were that Kansas defense was very disruptive um, and made it so Deckers wasn't able to to get the ball to to the big you know to Xavier Hutchinson to the playmakers on his offense. Um, and they, they all came at clutch times too. So, you know, big third down stops on sacks, um, pushing out of field goal range, which maybe was the whole field for that poor kicker, uh, was his field goal range. Um, but, uh, I I think it's going to be huge that that offensive line has been really strong thus far this season. Um, but definitely we'll need to, to keep it up, stay healthy and stay, um, working as a team here in in this tough contest yeah i'm going to be looking out for time of possession um knowing that kansas can run the football i think they're going to look for ways to it's another cliche but sometimes your best defense is a great offense and if kansas can sustain multiple drives in this game where they're able to take seven eight minutes off the clock and just keep TCU's offense off the field. I mean, that does two things. Not only does that wear down a defensive front, but it also keeps the opposing team's offense out of a rhythm because they're just not on the field, you know. And and for TCU, that that hasn't been a huge issue yet this year. They've been on the the offense has been on the field quite a bit. Um, not too many three and outs, but if Kansas. The key for TCU's defense, of course, is going to be stopping the run, but they they got to be able to get off the field. So the getting stops on third down, um, not having to deal with 10, 12, 14 play drives that take up 70-something yards and go eight minutes, that result in a touchdown. You know, th- those are going to be backbreakers for really any defense at any level. So... Uh, time of possession is something I'm going to watch for in this game, and I think if if uh, TCU could keep that spread even or even win the time of possession battle, I really like their chances in this game. Yeah, we, we talked about that as maybe being the playbook to try to take down Oklahoma for last week. It t- turns out you just score a million points, and it, it doesn't <laughs> matter. But yeah, and... and and maybe Kansas is able to do that against TCU. I don't know, but it it is the same kind of thing. Of TCU's offense has shown inability to be explosive and get big plays and score points quickly. And one of the the best ways to combat that is to keep them off the field. So yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's something to watch for. That uh, don't don't let Jalen Daniels scrambled for first downs. We talked about it with Dylan Gabriel, but you know, it's, it's another level here with Daniels. Um, and yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, um, we're, we're leveling up like a video game here. We're like, all right, we got Tanner Mordecai. Okay. Now we got, now we got Dylan Gabriel as an athlete quarterback. Now you've got Jalen Daniels and it's, it's like another level of, of athlete QB back there who can, who can really punish you if you make mistakes. So, um, and if you beat this level, you unlock Spencer Sanders, then you unlock Spencer Sanders. That's right. So, so, uh, 
Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think that's, that's where we're going to go. Um, two predictions. I think, I think the Horn Frogs will unlock that and, and move, move forward through this Kansas game. I'm, I'm again attempting to not overdo it with, uh, with, my purple glasses here. The spread is TCU favored by a touchdown. Um, there is a little bit of juice on that. If you know, if you're into the gambling thing, uh, watching that, the numbers it, there's, you got to pay a little more actually to get the Kansas plus seven. So I think there's a little bit of this number may go down to about six and a half. We'll see what happens, but, um, there's been some movement towards Kansas here. Um, with anyway, touchdown favorite TCU, um, total at 68 and a half. And I, I do think that at, at a touchdown favorite might be too much for TCU in this game. Um, it's going to be a, a raucous atmosphere, a, a, another kind of like how, I could. I'm a little bit worried about the the first half getting off to a slow start, where like in Colorado, where there were just these huge nerves. Clearly, um, that the team was kind of filled with a, a ball of energy and, and didn't quite know how to send it in the right direction. And maybe they've worked that out through through these games, but I can see just the spotlight of College Game Day, just kind of the electricity in, in the atmosphere on the campus there. Um, I could see it not, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, to just predict a a TCU blowout. So I don't think that's, what's going to happen. I do think TCU, my projection is a 41 35 win for TCU. So pretty high scoring goes over this total. Um, we do see Kansas score a bunch of points. Uh, we just, we just see TCU score a few more. Um, that's, that's where I'm seeing it headed. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under for the first time this season. I think Kansas is gonna have some success with running the ball, but I think the Frogs are gonna be able to make enough stops in those key third down situations, and they're not gonna let Kansas run up the time of possession in this game. Um, I like TCU, of course. I said it last week. I'm gonna say it again. I'm picking TCU every week. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with a final score of TCU. 27 Kansas 20 I like it. Uh we we will we will take a TCU victory however it comes and we are not expecting uh dominant ridiculous wins like we got last week over Oklahoma. Um but looking forward to this one. I think it's just going to be a really exciting game. Um it's fun to have TCU on the national stage and um I'll be excited to to cover it and and watch it together with with all the fans as well. Um speaking of the fans, uh our fan polls this week, just some interesting thoughts. I want to get your thoughts, just quick conversation here on um thinking about TCU through this part of the season and then thinking about Kansas. So um, first poll was related to which of the, uh, non-football wins over Kansas did you find most impressive? Um, 
the list of things was like scoring 30 runs on their baseball team, um, the basketball team winning this past season over the eventual national champions, uh, the basketball team winning in 17 against number one Kansas in the Big 12 tournament on those uh, Desmond Bain free throws, and then uh, the 2013 win that was TCU's first ever win in the Big 12. What was which one was it for you? Yeah, I I, I had mentioned it on the pod last week. We were talking about something else. Um, it, it was 2013 for me, just because it was my freshman year on campus. I was I remember it because I was coming back from the blue. I believe I had gotten a, a late dinner and they had the game on the TV in Clark Hall, which is where I lived, and. Uh, I, I kind of, I walked by it and it was the first half and, you know, it was close and a little time goes by and I'm, I'm talking with one of the, one of my buddies who's working at the, at the front desk and the second half comes around and, and TCU's winning. And I'm like, I got nothing going on. I'm going to go run over there. <laughs> I got to be there. Cause we, we, you know, student IDs, you get free access into all the athletic events. So, um, I go into to the arena and you know get get into the student section. I'm watching the game and Kansas is doing everything they can. I mean they they got Jeff Withy subbing in and out of the game and this is when they had Ben McLemore too, who at one one time was a, a possible number one uh, NBA draft prospect, and we had uh, Devonte Abron, that big transfer from from LSU, who. Almost had a huge poster dunk in that game. I think the ball bounced <laughs> off the rim. And w- winning that game and, and being able to rush the court uh, almost broke my ankle with hopping over the railing because there's like a big – it's a quite a bit of a fall. It's like, a further drop than you think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that my, my first court rushing experience and, and then seeing the highlights on uh, ESPN afterward and – just looking at like where TCU was in RPI at that point and the, the players that they had on the team compared to what Kansas had and, and Bill Self talking after the game about how that, that might've been the worst loss for KU basketball since like the Naismith days. And that, that to me was, was my favorite just because I was there and it was a, you know, a time in my life where I was, you know, finding my way at, at TCU and really starting to uh, develop my my passion for sports and and for TCU athletics, so that that's one that I'll that I'll remember forever. Yeah, I I love it. I th- I I agree with you. I think that's the most impressive win, just because that TCU basketball team was awful, mm-hmm. and a Kansas team yeah. was a Kansas basketball team was really good, and it's it's too it's impossible that that game even happened. Uh, so I'm with you. The fans picked the, uh, the basketball game this past um, season, beating the eventual national champs. I mean, that's, it was a good win. It was important for TCU basketball and in, in getting the frogs to the tournament this past year. But um, it's, it's not as crazy as scoring 30 runs in a baseball game or that. Yeah. Like, sub 250 Ken Palm team beating like number five Kansas. Um, All right. 
the other of the, we're we're already running short on time. The other of those questions that I think was interesting was the uh, so far through the season, what's the most surprising position group for TCU TCU football? Um, and the ones I put on the list were quarterback, uh, offensive line, defensive back, or running back. And and I guess that's meant to be. It, it's a positive surprise, obviously, but uh, you know, relative to your preseason expectations, who is who has impressed the most? You, you know, quarterback. I think won the poll, and I think that's an easy choice. But I got to go with the offensive line, just because there were, in my view, at least maybe more questions than actually maybe people I thought because you had Alana Lee coming in from SMU. What position is he going to play? Cause he had played center. He had played tackle. How was he going to fit into the starting unit? Uh, obviously with him playing center, you move Steve Avila over to guard. How is he going to handle that transition? Cause he's an all big 12 first team center. Uh, who's going to play left tackle. I mean, TCU has, you've had guys like TJ Stormont and uh, Obina Ize and, even a, a JUCO transfer, Anthony McKinney, fill those roles over the last few years. You haven't really developed a player at that position recently. I know Andrew Coker played a little bit of left tackle in camp, and they moved him back to the right side, so maybe they didn't feel comfortable with him there. And he's a guy who's been around for a few years now, um, and I think a guy that they've been hoping to, to see make that leap uh, this year. So there, there were a handful of questions. And then with like a, a guy like Wes Harris coming back, who has a lot of talent and, and experience, but just unfortunately just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, and John lands, another guard who's had some injury problems and, and Brandon Coleman, I think played guard last year and, and now he's starting a left tackle. So uh, really the, the first year that this group has had the chance to work. Like, it's not like these are guys who have been playing together for two or three years as a starting unit. This is their first run through. And the way that they have run blocked this year has been super impressive to me. You saw in the Kenray Miller touchdown against Oklahoma, you see the guard pole pole and hit a really nice pole block to seal the hole for a touchdown there. And, and the way they've been able to, to shut the door, you know, Kenray Miller gets a, a huge touchdown, in the in the second half to just continue to blow it open and Amari Di Mercado uh, breaks loose against SMU to to send the fans home in Dallas. You have three running backs now on the roster that are averaging over seven and a half yards a carry. That's that's a testament to how well your offensive line is playing. Combined with the fact that uh, Duggan was only sacked one time against Oklahoma. He was rarely pressured against Tarleton State. SMU, he did get sacked quite a bit, but those were, frankly, coverage sacks where Duggan is in the pocket for four or five seconds and trying to find a guy downfield, and there's just no one there. But the the offensive line, to me, has been the most impressive because you had a lot of pieces to try and put the puzzle together, and the puzzle looks pretty damn pretty right now. Yeah, man, I agree with all of that. I think I think the offensive line has been phenomenal, and it's been a a real uh, difficult spot 
for the frogs the past few years i think it's it's clear they're they're getting really good coaching and that they're really working hard together and and that uh some of the newcomers are are working well i think the defensive backfield deserves a shout out as well just this is a team i mean even with the stars on the team in in the last couple years it 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 hasn't been really playing up to snuff and then you know bringing in uh Kamara and Newton and Perry and linking that with the guys that were already on this roster they've they've really shined um and so you didn't really know what to expect from ah oh, yeah we're getting some some safety from Colorado we're getting some corner from Louisiana Monroe uh whatever but they've been they've been superb so um really impressed with them as well and and I think I I've been very pleasantly surprised with them all right elsewhere in this week uh in the big 12 we we mentioned it is red river week here uh in the metroplex we've got texas is a seven point favorite against oklahoma um i i haven't heard if dylan gabriel's formally ruled out from this game I I have seen that there's been some talk of maybe they I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be General Booty or Nick Evers or um the guy that played against TCU but or on the other side if it'll be Card or Quinn Ewers. So I I don't know what to it's it's hard to take a a touchdown spread in this game. Uh they do always play so close no matter really kind of how the the talent disparity may appear. So I, I I think I'm taking Oklahoma to at least cover, maybe to, to take down the Longhorns here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma comes out and really tries to run the ball, just given the uncertainty of the quarterback situation. But um, I I think I got to pick Texas in this matchup just because I think, I I think card has played well in in relief of, of Quinn Ewers and, uh, the way that they've defended these last couple of games as well. I, I really, I think Oklahoma is going to come out and have a lot to play for, because frankly, I think they've been punched in the mouth these last couple of weeks. But um, if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play, I just find it very hard to see them winning this game. If he does play, that could make things interesting. Um, who knows how he would play if, if he's able to get any reps in at at practice, we don't know. But uh, I think for me, Texas is rolling a little bit. They have a great run game. Uh, Xavier Worthy has uh, played like one of the better wide receivers in the Big 12 so far. So I, I, I got to pick Texas in this one. Yeah, and, and I realize Oklahoma was so terrible this past week and really the, the past two weeks, it's hard to – believe that they'll be any good even if gabriel's back but uh the next game oklahoma state is a nine and a half point favorite um hosting texas tech in stillwater i i think the cowboys are a far superior team and i think their defense is gonna eat the red raiders alive and spencer sanders and and his receiver talent and running back talent they're they're just they're going to to stack up points and and run the Raiders out of town. Yeah, I think the 
the Tech defense has struggled on multiple occasions this year. Donovan Smith has racked up yards. Uh, unfortunately, he's turned the ball over quite a bit as well. And uh, Oklahoma State's been able to make plays in, in all three facets of the game. You saw Jaden Nixon had that nearly 100-yard return score last week against Baylor. Um, I, I like the Cowboys again this week, and I want that big-time Cowboys it's, frog showdown next week, man. I want it bad, so I'm taking Oklahoma State. Yes. All right. And then the last game in the Big 12 this week is Kansas State, a road favorite, uh, two-point favorite at Iowa State. I, I don't know where this respect for Iowa State. Why is this only two points? I, Kansas State is going to win this game by a lot. It's, we, They're you know much, what? much better than Iowa State. And give give me Kansas State. Give me the Wildcats. We, we, we've talked about it on the on the podcast before. I feel it's just weird things happen and weird things happen on the football field at Ames, Iowa. I mean, I, I think back to. 2017, I believe it was, when TCU was ranked top 10. They go to Ames and play like absolute dog doo-doo. And just things like that happen. Um, I'm going to go out on a, on a limb here, and I'm going to take Iowa State. All right, all right. I'm going to take Iowa State because <laughs> I think that defense is going to find a way to contain Adrian Martinez. That's really been the – Deuce Vaughn has done Deuce Vaughn things all year. He's basically – you might as well just give him a hundred yards before the game because you know he's going to get a hundred yards. But yep. uh, I, I think Martinez is going to have to make some big plays in the air in the passing game in this game, and I think he's going to come back down to earth in that category. I, I think Iowa State uh, again brings their rocks to to Ames and wins a, a rock fight against the Wildcats. I'm going to go with the Cyclones. I like it. Outside of the Big 12, there's there's not a lot going on nationally. Part of that's kind of part of the reason, frankly, that there's college game day in Lawrence for for this game. But uh, let's see, we've got Tennessee on the road in Baton Rouge against LSU. They're three point favorites. That's that's scary. It, them only being three point favorites. LSU has not looked terribly good. Um, Jaden Daniels got hurt in that last game a little bit. I, I think he's going to be back, but I think that's that's feels like a trap line. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say LSU somehow figures out how to how to stop Hendon Hooker and this Tennessee offense and and gets it done at home. I believe this is the first time that Tennessee and LSU are playing since the the infamous "Can you please snap the football and get the playoff." <laughs> right i think that's that's the last time they played that's um, crazy that's right and that was uh was it was it jordan jefferson because i think oh yeah the quarterback right yeah jordan yeah i think of lsu <laughs> and jefferson okay it's justin jefferson but yeah was, no uh, jordan jordan I, I think i watched that game with my dad i was super young um but lsu yeah they they, they had it inside the i think they were in the inside the 10 yard line or or in the red zone and had an opportunity to possibly win it with one last play. They, they can't get the guys lined up and then they, to make it worse, they fumble the snap. There it in, is. In front of the, in, <laughs> in front of the, in front of the home fans to, to send them off with a, 
with a tough one, but I, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Tennessee in this game. Um, I think Tennessee's had a pretty solid start to the season. Oh, yeah. um, I picked against them earlier this year. I picked Florida to beat them, so I got to make mm-hmm. up for that. All right. Next was uh, Utah. This is the the really only other big big time game next week. Number eleven Utah is four and a half point favorite in the Rose Bowl against number 18, UCLA. Um, I don't know. This is, a, this is a really tough one. This should be a really good game. I thought Washington was going to go in and take care of UCLA last week on Friday night last week, and, and UCLA really trounced them. They, they really looked good. Um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is playing at an elite level. Um, that said, I think Utah is, is a better team and is certainly better than Washington last week. So I, I'm taking Utah, and and they'll win by five or more for sure. I had a, I was covering a football game Friday night. Um, was it Friday night when UCLA and, and Washington were playing? I got yes, a text. yeah. Okay, yeah, because I, I got a text from my brother who lives up in uh, Wisconsin, and he – he, he must have just been, like, having a drink watching the game because I get a text from him at, like, I don't know, 10, 10 30. It, like, it was late. That game was late. Yeah, it, it went really late. He, he texts me. He's like, Dorian Thompson Robinson is a dog. I'm like, <laughs> he's – I hope – I'd hope so. He's been there so damn long. But, yeah. no, he's he's playing really well. Um, he's He's had a – when he's been healthy, he's been pretty solid. He's just missed some time. Uh, with injuries, but he he's playing well. They're ro- they seem to be rolling right now. Um, playing at home, maybe they finally get a good home crowd there. I'm gonna go with UCLA. All right, and a game that going into the season everyone was really excited about um, because there was some like nasty words said about each other here. But Texas A&M goes to Tuscaloosa as 24 point underdogs against number one Alabama and yeah whether it's uh Bryce Young or Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson I I don't particularly care 24 points is a lot of points um but (laughs) I don't know I'm inclined to just say that that Alabama is going to take care of business and, and walk away with this one say you know maybe it's something like uh i don't know 35 to 10 but it it could also be like 45 to 10 so i i don't know yeah this is a game that you know nick nick saban is not going to come out and say it but you know this is a game where alabama could be up 52 to 7 with a minute left in the fourth quarter and Nick Saban is screaming at a lineman who commits a holding penalty. This could be one of those, uh, Nick Saban is going to want perfection in this game. You know this is a game that they're going to want to come out and immediately set the tone and beat down potential in this game. Um, I I like Bama, and I think they cover that 24-point spread. All right. That does it for the football stuff. Just quickly on on news things, just because we wanted to jump right into football this week. Um, but TCU soccer did beat Kansas State 
um, and has two games this week. So Thursday night against West Virginia and Sunday afternoon against Iowa State, both at home. So get yourself some tickets. I think they've got a deal going right now. You can get two for one. So so get your get some tickets to those games. Get out there to the stadium. It's a really fun time. Um, and as that squad continues to push for a Big 12 championship. Um, the other little bit of news this week was that the announcement of the Schallmeyer Live event, um, kind of previewing, getting ready uh, for the basketball seasons, men's and women's basketball, will be headlined by Ludacris. So I was really excited about this because I'm old and okay. I was a huge Ludacris fan. And I don't know, I, I don't... I know you, you set this out and I kind of freaked out. I kind of fangirled a little bit. I was excited. Um, I don't know. Is, is Ludacris, does he still hold the cachet? Is he, is he you still like, I'm, even uh, though he's an old timer, he still gets people hype. I'm, I, I think it's really cool for the students that are going to be there. Um, I'm a little bummed out that Ludacris has reached this point of his career. Um, <laughs> where it, it's a, it, it's going to be a paycheck gig for him. Uh, but but I mean I'm I'm 28 years old so I I used to listen to a lot of Ludacris in the you know late two late 2000s early 2010s and, and he's put out some bangers I mean maybe the the Gen Z the Zoomers may may not be familiar with his catalog but um God, it kind of reminds me of like our freshman year going to. Uh, aardvark and, and afro man is there and everyone's so psyched to see oh my afro goodness man. i'm like that's funny yeah that like you know that man was there for a paycheck and oh yeah that's there was the one that made me most sad was uh nelly played a free event at that bar varsity like in 7th street area oh, yeah. at some point like wow. that was that was like I, I don't know. That was relatively recently. I was not in school, but that it was. I saw there was like an advertisement for it. I was like, oh man, poor Nelly. He's like that, playing free that, events at bars. That, that's a surprise to me too, because he's he's transcended genres a little bit recently with some of his country <laughs> hits. He's got a he's got his hit with Jimmy oh, Allen, man. and of course the the Florida Georgia the Tim McGraw. Song and yeah, he. <clears throat> He, he's he's an entertainer for sure. That that's surprising a little bit that he would play a free show at Varsity. That's uh interesting. I wonder how I wonder how big the bag was. Oh was yeah, big? yeah. But this ludicrous thing. I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, Kansas had Snoop Dogg, I think, and like they got in a bunch of trouble because there were like stripper poles and like oh, a whole yeah. thing. But. But you know, it's the same kind of thing. Like, yeah, he's yeah, he's old, well, yeah, but everybody that, knows who Snoop Dogg is. That, everybody that knows who Ludacris is. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that yeah. Comes I mean, with... come on, you don't hire Snoop Dogg. Yeah. yeah, you don't. You can't bring Snoop through and not expect some crazy things to go down. Like that's if you don't expect that, you bring it on yourself. I'm sorry. All right. Well, that that'll do it for us this week. Um, obviously, we're extremely excited about. TCU football's performance last weekend against Oklahoma. Excited to see what they can do against this Kansas team this coming weekend. Uh, follow all the exciting things we're doing at Frogs of War. Check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, at Frogs of War. Uh, you can follow each of us. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Go Frogs! Go Frogs, pack the stadium and 
in Lawrence, and let's keep this win streak rolling so we don't have any more 11 a.m. games. Let's get That's some right. primetime games. Get a <laughs> night game for once. Pumped up. All right. Go Frogs. <laughs>